welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Bibles to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 10. We're in a sermon series here looking at the what we call in-between time while the Israelites were in the wilderness and look at some of the challenges. And today's going to be a passage on a character that's very obscure and probably you've never heard a sermon on this man. His name is Hobab. So uh, he's only mentioned very briefly in the Bible. But what this is a sermon about is about moving from making excuses. And I want to tell you, it is so easy to make excuses today. All of us can make excuses for anything from making excuses to taking ownership. Because Moses started out as the biggest excuse maker in the world. And then he has a brother-in-law named Hobab who follows, you know, this is just Moses' family. It's just a family of excuses. Hobab also is about to start making some excuses. But then Moses has learned to overcome his excuses. And we're going to be looking at that because uh, obviously we can, uh, ownership is something we have to embrace. So what, what that means is uh, when something goes wrong in your life, whatever you're not happy with, you can't manage your money, you eat the wrong food, you don't exercise, your marriage is falling apart, your children are wild, I mean, just whatever it is, instead of making excuses, you have to say, okay, I have to take ownership of this uh, problem I have or this situation that I'm in or where I'm at in life. Instead of blaming other people, blaming United States, blaming social media, well, you can blame anything. You say, this is going to become my problem, and I'm going to trust the Lord to fix this problem. But this isn't going to be a message about all those external things. This is going to be about ownership of our spiritual life. We have to take ownership of our relationship with God instead of just putting it on autopilot and expect us to see answers of prayer, expect us to grow spiritually. We wonder, uh, we, we have to be engaged in doing that. And a great way to illustrate that is actually by a gentleman who actually passed away yesterday. Do you all remember, I have a quote up here on the screen from a man named Henry Blackaby. And Henry Blackaby is uh, a gentleman who wrote Experiencing God in 1990. Why don't you all go ahead and put the, the quote up on the screen. This gentleman was from Canada. And what happened was he, um, he moved to the United States. And he wrote this book called Experiencing God, and it was published by Lifeway, and probably many of us have gone through, many of you have gone through this book. It was, it's still a very popular book. I believe, I think the college ministry class actually, Beecher, went through it like a year or two ago. Y'all went through Experiencing God downstairs with the college students. Who here has gone through Experiencing God? See, almost half the group here has gone through this book. Well, Henry Blackaby, uh, he, this is, the entire study can be summed up in this sentence right here. And this is what he said. He said, he wrote in Experiencing God, you watch to see where God is working and you join him. You basically say, where is God working? Where do you see folks getting saved? Where do you see ministry happening? Where do you see prayers being prayed? Where do you see uh, lives being changed and transformed? And wherever that is, you step into that and you begin joining the work of God. And what happened was how he applied this to his own life. He wrote that book when he was 54 years old. He, went, he, he was in Canada. And Canada doesn't... He was a Southern Baptist in Canada. And Canada doesn't have a lot of Southern Baptists. So he left 
and went to Southern California. And he was pastoring a very large church, doing very well. And then what happened was he met this guy in Southern California who was also a Canadian. And this, this man pastored, this stranger pastored a very small church in Canada. And the small church pastor told Henry Blackaby, he was like 54 years old, the only hope for Canada is if Canadian pastors come back home. Because what was happening is if you were a Canadian pastor, your goal was to leave Canada. And they all wanted to go to the United States. It's cold. There's just not a lot of folks. And it's hard. I mean, you have to drive several miles to get to your next house. I mean, there's just not a lot of people there. Um, so he felt the Lord leading him to go back to Canada. And Henry Blackaby left a very thriving church in Southern California. And he went to a place called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I don't know where that is. I've heard of Saskatchewan, but it's somewhere in Canada, I'm sure. It's cold up there right now. And he went there and he pastored a church that was running 10 people. I mean, this man had just wrote a, very, a, a book that sold 8 million copies, goes up and pastors Faith Baptist Church in Saskatoon. It's running 10. That's smaller than most of our Sunday school classes. That church, over time, it grew and grew to hundreds of people, and it started, it planted 38 other churches in Canada. Because Henry Blackaby said, you know what, it'd be very easy for me to stay in Southern California, but I'm going to go, because I'm a Canadian, I'm going to go to my homeland and begin a work in reaching the people. And God blessed his ministry there. So he passed away yesterday, Henry Blackaby, after, uh, after writing that book when he was 54 years old about finding where God was working and you go join him. That's what our message is going to be about in many ways today in Numbers chapter 10. We're going to see this story here of the man named Hobab. This is about the first time the Israelites are going to start moving. They have, remember last Sunday's sermon, was the very point where God led them through the Red Sea. They got up to the very point of the edge of the water and they started complaining. They didn't want to move. And God gave this cloud and the cloud at one time went around and blocked the approaching Egyptians and God started parting the Red, parting the Red Sea so all the Israelites could pass through. And that was their first challenge after leaving Egypt. Well, here is the next unhappy camper. So they have crossed the Red Sea, and they've, already, they've been to Mount Sinai. They've received the Ten Commandments. They had the golden calf incident. Moses had to go back up on the mountain, get a second set of the Ten Commandments, repeat again, and finally it's time. And all this took roughly a year. And now they're finally ready to leave Mount Sinai. And there's one man, his name's Hobab. He is Moses' brother-in-law, and he doesn't want to go. And he, he's going to give some excuses of why he doesn't want to leave this area. And the principle for us this morning is, if we are truthful and honest with ourselves, we can make an excuse for anything. And you can even convince your excuse is good. And convince other people your excuse is good. The people who are not here right now watching online, maybe some of you made an excuse. There's truly a good excuse for anyone not to do something. 
And we're going to see after we look at this passage here in Numbers chapter 10, we're going to flip over to Romans chapter 1 and how God, He judges excuses. That means He doesn't accept them. We will not be able to stand before our Lord and give an excuse. He expects us to take extreme ownership of everything we can influence in our life to the point where, where even if it might not somewhat be our fault, we still say, I'm going to get involved and help make this better. I'm going to take, take ownership of this. So that's where we're at right here. We're in Numbers chapter 10, verse 11. This is the first time the cloud is going to move. Next five weeks, we're going to be in the book of Numbers. This is where we see most of the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness in this book. A lot of people don't read the book of Numbers. And the reason why, if you start out, the first five chapters are a, pretty much a, the numbers of every single clan, all, all the Israelites. If you can get past the first five, six, seven chapters in this book, the book just opens up into phenomenal stories of what God's doing through the Israelites. So here we go. Verse 11. Our Bibles tell us, During the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud was lifted above the tabernacle of the testimony. The Israelites traveled on from the wilderness of Sinai, moving from place to place, until next until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran. This would be somewhere in Saudi Arabia. This is in the middle of nowhere. That's where the wilderness of Paran, in Midian. They set out for the first time according to the Lord's command through Moses. This was the first time they moved. Now, the next few verses are what we call military divisions. This is part of the book that you're reading and think, well, why are all this? What's happening is God is forming a military because at this point, they weren't planning to go in the wilderness for 40 years. They were preparing their military and they were going to go up into uh, the promised land and start attacking the peoples like the Canaanites and start taking the land. Because at this point, they have not totally disobeyed the Lord. I mean, it's coming, but um, they haven't at this point. There's still hope for the Israelites at this point. So then we get through these military divisions, and we're introduced to someone. And we're going to pick up on verse 29. We're going to read 29 through 36. So here's where we're introduced to this man named Hobab. Hobab, this is the only place in the Bible he's, he's mentioned. And Hobab was, remember, remember who was Moses? He didn't get married till he was 40 years old when he went out into the wilderness. He was a single man until he was 40. He goes out in the wilderness and he starts taking care of sheep for his father-in-law, Jethro. He married a woman named Zipporah. And Zipporah had a brother named Hobab. And Hobab was from this desert region. So this is where this wilderness of Paran, the Midianite areas. This is in Saudi Arabia uh, uh, today. It's just middle of nowhere. So this is where they're at. And where they're forming their military in the desert. And we're introduced to this man. Verse 29. Won't you follow along here? Moses said to Hobab, a descendant of Ruel, the Midianite, and Moses' relative by marriage. Do you have a brother-in-law? Do you have in-laws at your house? Are they not always on the same page as you are on? Uh, So here we have Hobab, who's a relative by marriage. 
And look what he says here. We're setting out for the place the Lord promised. I will give it to you. Come with us. And we will treat you well. And the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He's telling his brother-in-law, Hobab, I need your help. You know this area. You're a wilderness man. The Lord's going to treat you good. This going, we're, we're trusting the Lord, and I'm going to need your help in what we're going to do. That's what he's saying. The Lord has given us this promise. I mean, you've already witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. You've already witnessed the Mount Sinai Ten Commandments and how God gave us these commands and struck down people who made the golden calf. But now, Hobab, I want you to join in what I'm doing. Have you ever had a family member that you're passionate and you have a great desire to do something and for whatever reason, your family member, they just aren't on board. They just aren't there. My dad, as you know, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, I grew up Southern Baptist. And in Birmingham, there's a Southern Baptist college called Sanford University. But my father didn't go to school there. He graduated from this Methodist school. That He grew up Baptist, but he went to a Methodist school, and it is called Birmingham Southern College. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It's a very small school. Well, my dad, when I was in like 11th or 12th grade, you're looking at times where it's time to start thinking about, praying about, where am I going to go to college at? And my dad, you know, He's like, son, you need to go where I went to school. I went to Birmingham Southern. This should be your school. And he is pushing me in this direction. Maybe parents, you can relate. You just want your children to follow into your footsteps. He's leading me in this one direction. He's telling me he's going to pay for it. I need to go take a preview. And he knows these professors. Now, the people who are taught there, he doesn't. That was 30 years ago. Like, he does these schools change. He's living in the past. So what he's talking about of when I was, he wanted me to go to school, when he went to school was not the same. Things change. So I had really no desire to go to this school. But to honor my dad, I went to their little preview day and I applied. And then I said, dad, I really would rather go to the Baptist school because God's called me to be a Baptist preacher and I'm not a Methodist, and I really don't want to go to this school. So I first applied to this one school to honor my dad that I have zero desire to go to. But I had to go get the little campus tour and listen to the sales pitch and started the application process. And it basically took my mom to interject and said, Danny, just, just let the boy pick where he wants to go. I mean, you know, if he doesn't want to go there, let him go here. It's up to him. So, but sometimes, and I, did, I didn't, did not go to where my dad went to school, sometimes in our life, we have these desires and these plans for our family, our spouse, our children, our grandchildren. We want them to do, to do this so bad. And that's just not who they are. It's not where they're at. They aren't on that page. And Hobab at this point, Moses is pleading with this man, say, hey, We've got this great opportunity. Hobab, I need you to come with me. Verse 29, come with us and we will treat you well. This is going to be good for you. We're going up into the promised land. And look what, look what he says. Verse 30, the one sentence in the Bible from Hobab. 
He said, verse 30, But he replied, Hobab, I don't want to go. Instead, I will go back to my own land and my relatives. Now Moses was his in-law relative, but Hobab didn't consider in-law good enough. He says, I don't want to go. I'm just going to go back to my land, go back to my country, and I'm going to go back to my blood family, Moses. Think about the disappointment of Moses. This is an excuse in verse 30. Hobab just said, what happened? He said, this isn't my land. I don't want to go in. The promised land isn't my land. And these people here, the Israelites, they're not, these aren't my people, Moses. This isn't for me. I am going to go back home. And Moses is thinking, the Lord is granting you, giving you this promise, and you want to go back? Do you, have you ever dealt with this in your life? Where you want to go here, and your family, for whatever reason, here come the excuses. They're not with you. It might be some of you have family members that they, for whatever reason, they just refuse to come to church. They don't want to go to Sunday school. They don't want to be here. And you plead with them, you urge them, you pay them money, whatever it takes to get them to come. You promise them dinner after lunch afterwards. And it's just, they're not on board. And that is a hobab. I promise a lot of us, and at some point in our life, we're either going to be a hobab where we start making excuses and say, I want to go back to what I'm familiar with. I just want to go back, go back home, go back to my family, go back to my land, go back to my house. Or we're going to find ourselves being a Moses and we're going to be pleading with other people to come with us, to come, come worship the Lord, come to the promised land, to come follow the Lord's leadership. And Henry Blackaby, with him passing away, that book, you, basically you find where, you watch and see where God is working and you join him. That's what Moses is saying. This is where God's working. He's leading us to the promised land, Hobab, and you're not with us. But what's amazing about this story a little over a year ago, Moses was the Hobab. He was the one. When God called him from the burning bush, says, Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to say, let my people go so they can go worship in the wilderness. And the first thing Moses says, I can't speak. I'm not qualified. I'm too shy. I have no confidence. I can't do it, Lord. Moses was making excuses. And now he has family who's doing the same. Part of a lot of our life, in many ways, is just overcoming excuses. And we're surrounded. We're either going to be the ones making them, or we're going to have to be in Moses' case here with Hobab. We're going to have to deal with these excuses and prepare to overcome them. And look what Moses says. He's going to overcome these excuses. Verse 31. Please don't leave us. He's pleading with them. Please don't leave us, Moses said since you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you can serve as our eyes. Hobab knew the area because he was a wilderness wild man, so he knew the desert region. Hobab was a scout. He could easily help direct the people. He was a great tool for these. Remember, who were the Hebrew people at this point? These were slaves that had been trapped in Egypt for 400 plus years. They had never even been in this area. And Hobab could have been a great blessing to them. He says, verse 32, If you come with us, whatever good the Lord does for us, 
we will do for you. And I tell you, that promise is actually fulfilled in the book of Joshua. Hobab receives the blessings of the Lord in Joshua chapter 4, we see later on. So look, what that's all Moses says. He's pleading with this man. He gives him a job to do. He has a key role in being a scout in the wilderness. And then Hobab doesn't respond. There's no response from this man. And in verse 33, it says, they set out from the mountain of the Lord. So Hobab listened to what Moses says, and he joined him. And I think for us, for us spiritually, when we have people who give us excuses, we have to be ready in many ways for a comeback because we know they're going to come, especially when it's spiritual excuses for why someone isn't witnessing and experiencing God in their life. And right here, Moses is saying, you are going to be a part of what's going to happen. You can serve, and whatever good that comes is going to fall into you, even though, Hobab, you're not an Israelite. You're a Midianite, but you can receive these blessings too. They set out from the mountain of the Lord on the three-day journey with the Ark of the Lord's Covenant traveling ahead of them for those three days to seek a resting place for them. Meanwhile, the cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. Wherever the Ark set out, Moses would say, Arise, Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and those who hate you flee from your presence. When it came to rest, he would say, Return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. This is how Moses was following and being guided by the Lord. So we see here that Hobab made this excuse. Moses overcame the excuse, and Hobab listened to Moses and joined along. Here's the truth. Here's the danger about excuses. Look at this. It's up on the screen. Number one, you can make an excuse for absolutely anything. Anything we can all make excuses for. But really, we need to be thinking about our spiritual excuses of why we don't know the Lord, why we aren't growing, why we aren't seeing the answers of prayer like we're, we desire, like we want to see. But the, we have to say, God, have I gotten into a habit of just going around making excuses? Number two, what, what do excuses do? Excuses reveal a lack of faith in God. You're basically saying, I don't trust the Lord in doing this. I'm going to fall back on what I'm very familiar with. Hobab wanted to go back to his family, go back to his land, because he was used to it. He knew what to expect. The problem is, when God brings us forward, when He's pushing us, when He's bringing us into the wilderness, headed to the promised land, you're going and doing something that you are not familiar with. And then thirdly, and we're about to turn to Romans chapter 1 here, God doesn't accept excuses. He doesn't accept them. If God calls and asks us to do something, He expects us to do it. So turn in your Bible. Last section we're going to hear this morning. It's in Romans chapter 1. Because one of the things about excuses is this is one of the reasons that many people refuse to believe and trust Jesus as their Savior. They're going about their life making excuses. And it says here in Romans chapter 1 about the danger of excuses. And I tell you, a lot of times when people make excuses, they don't even realize they're making it. They have gotten in such a habit of doing the same thing over and over again. Saying, Lord, I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, you look at your life. If, if you look at your life, 
the past, say, 10, 20 years, and truly, nothing's really changed. You haven't really done anything exciting. Haven't feel like you really haven't been used by the Lord. You feel like you haven't seen great answers to prayer. You need to stop and say, Lord, have I gotten into this habit of just making excuses? Part of our spiritual life is doing new and exciting things with and for the Lord. That is what Moses is pleading here with Hobab. They are going into an unknown area to take the promised land. They're stepping out on faith and they're trusting the Lord. Part of our spiritual life, our time on earth, is a life one that we have just seen time and time again of us trusting God. Trusting God when maybe it's uh, very challenging, it's financially challenging, where you don't feel qualified, but you say, Lord, I don't, I don't, I'm not prepared for this, but I'm going to trust you in this. So look what, this is one of the reasons here. Romans chapter 1. This is last three verses we're going to read. This is why making excuse is detrimental to our spiritual life. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What that means is one of the dangers of sin, what, what it does is what, what occurs, what the Bible says is wrong. When truth is suppressed, the devil actually takes what is wrong and begins to tell people, no, what is wrong is actually right. That's what it means to suppress the truth. Suppressing the truth means a switch has been made. What, what the Bible says is wrong you begin to believe that it's right. So that's, that, that, that is something we have to watch out. That's the hardening, the hardness of sin. Verse 19. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. Meaning, the presence of the Lord, the creation all around us, there is evidence of God's presence. Like He's talking about lost people here. People who do not love the Lord. And he says it's very evident. They cannot explain nature, biology, where things came from. And it goes on to say in verse 20, For His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world. The creation of the world in science, in, in uh, truth, in all of nature, and all living things on earth, point and testify to the truthfulness of God. So, Paul's writing here. He's saying he's been making this case. There's this suppression of truth going on. There's people who fail to realize that creation points to the, being, the existence of God. And then it says, being understood through what has been made. As a result, this is how people will be judged. As a result, people are without an excuse. There's no excuse, the Bible says. There is no excuse. And what happens in our life is we find ourselves spiritually, telling God, I can't. 
I won't. I don't. Whatever negative words you have to tell the Lord, you can't do it. Some of you this morning, God is calling, God is equipping, God is wanting to lead you in new places, to new people, new relationships, new places of service, deeper knowledge and trust and commitment to the Lord. You've just had a shallow relationship with God. You're at a brand new church. You're eager to serve. And there is going to be a temptation for you to default back and be a hobab. And a hobab is someone who says, I'm going back home. I'm going to go see mama. I'm going to check on the family. I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable with. The danger of that is you and I do not want to stand before the Lord and give God the reasons for why we didn't serve, why we didn't give, why we didn't trust, why we never took the journey to the promised land. And so what we see from this passage, Moses had changed. Hobab also eventually changed. Moses, he was offering excuses a little over a year ago. And now he's the one overcoming those excuses with Hobab. Hobab, he's offering his excuses, and he listened to Moses, and he joined in with them. And for us spiritually, the principle God is speaking to us is we need to take ownership and follow the Lord's direction on where he's going. So you say, well, pastor, what does that mean for me today? Here we are, it's 2024, it's February, and what does this look like? We have to look back and say, okay, am I going to be either a hobab, someone who goes around making excuses? Now you think about excuses. I mean, even for me this week, God has placed, I have neighbors on my little road, Denver Lane. My street, the street I live on, does not know Jesus. Maybe some of you have a street. I know the, I, I, the people who live around me. These folks don't know the Lord. I wake up on Sunday morning. We pull out of the driveway. There's, these folks are asleep. On Wednesday, they're not going to youth group. They're playing ball in the street. It's a, you just look around and say, these, these folks in my personal neighborhood, if they passed away right now, they would die, according to the Bible, and go to an eternal hell. I have to have a burden. Mission starts right here. You just look around in your neighborhood. I was literally praying to the Lord this week. Say, God, put, I mean, I have all these middle school boys on my street. And all they do is play ball. Basketball, for whatever season it is, soccer. They're just outside playing ball. They do not go to church, period. They do not know the Lord. And there has to be a burden on our life to saying, how can I engage these young men? How can I talk to them? How can I invite them? How can I speak to them about their need for Jesus? That's what it means. But you know what? It'd be very easy for me to make excuses. I'm busy. I've got to get inside. I don't know these people. I don't know their, I, you know, I, I know them, but I don't like, really know them. I mean, I could just go down the list. It's cold outside. Uh, just... And you can just, we find ourselves doing this. Where God places a burden on our life where there's people who just, when it comes down to it, they need Jesus. These people are lost. And they need to get saved. 
I need to be praying for their salvation and praying God uses me to speak to them spiritually. One of those people in our neighborhood, we got one of them last year to come to VBS. That was the first time in six years. That was a massive breakthrough. A little girl came to this church's VBS. And I think what happens for us is it's, we find ourselves in this habit of just, we just go about making excuses. Just like Hobab says, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to come across as pushy. And we miss opportunities for where God is working. Remember what this Bible verse says in Romans chapter 20. There is no excuse. God puts eternity in our hearts. Meaning, the Lord has put a desire in every single person's heart that they are something more for them to live for. And our job is just like Moses did to Hobab. He said, Hobab, I know you want to go back home, but God is promising us the promised land. And for us today, our promise, we're not going to the promised land in physical Israel. Our promised land now is heaven. That's where we're leading people to. We're the Moses God. We're either going to be a Hobab where we find ourselves making excuses or we're going to be a Moses that we go around overcoming excuses. Moses used to make excuses, but now he's overcoming excuses. And some of us this morning, we need to repent to say, God, you need to forgive me from a life, a lifestyle just making excuses of why I can't do stuff. And living a life of just average when it could have been so much more. Henry Blackaby says, see and watch, where is God working? Where are the lost people at? Where are the unchurched people at? Where are the people who are struggling in life? Who are have, going through marital problems? Whose children are on drugs? Who have drinking problems? Where are all these problems at? And you go join them. How do you mean join them? You go share the good news. The transformational power of Jesus. That's what it means to join God in working. God wants to see the lost sheep saved. And there's a lot of lost people. There's a lot of needs here in our city. Beecher, why don't you in the band, why don't you all come forward? We're going to have our invitation. Some of you this morning, you are spiritually lost. You do not know the Lord. Your first step is to stop making excuses and say, Pastor, I'm tired of being a hobab. I have just gone about my life. I have become a habitual excuse maker. And we can all do it. I do it. You do it. Lord, forgive me of being a hobab. Free me up and help me see the need to start overcoming excuses and going to the promised land as Moses pleaded with this man, his brother-in-law. If that is you, if you've been making excuses, especially about getting saved, I'll invite you to come down forward in a little bit or invitation and take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of doing this. I'm now going to be, I'm ready now to be like Moses and start headed to the promised land. I want to go where God is leading. If that is you, maybe for some of you, it's also our time for joining our church. For whatever reason, you've been making excuses not to join Broadway Baptist Church, and there's no excuse not to join our church. Absolutely not. So easy. Walk this aisle. Take my hand. We pray together. I present you. Everybody shakes your hand. You're a member of our church. You're a born-again believer. It's your church home for accountability. Let's stand together. It's our time to respond. Our deacons stand down here with me. We stand down front. You come take my hand and say, Pastor, here is my decision to follow Jesus this morning.